Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thank you for spending time with us. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning, and we are very happy to have with us Ariel Wolf, Chair of the Autonomous and Connected Mobility Practice at Venable, based in Washington, D.C. Thanks for taking time, Ariel. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Venable is a law firm providing advisors and services to a variety of businesses. Describe for us more about what you're doing with the autonomous and connected mobility practice. Absolutely. And thanks so much for the opportunity. So we have an autonomous and connected mobility practice here at Venable. It focuses on regulatory, legislative and policy and legal issues associated with this exciting and emerging technology. Um, of course, it includes electrification and, and all of the issues that surround motor vehicle uh, policy and law that's uh, that's taking shape, uh, not just here in D.C. where we're based, but you know it's a national law firm and we have um, uh, uh, reach across the country. And we look at things uh, and, and issues at the state, uh, local and federal and sometimes international uh, uh, space with respect to those uh, the changing kinds of policies and law. So uh, it's, it's a complicated, it's a busy time. Uh, some of it involves some guesswork too, in terms of uh, thinking ahead. Um, it's not as simple as looking what's the law and what's and what's the answer and write a memo. You got to really think about holistically uh, what are the issues and where it's heading, because that's really ultimately what um, this space is about. This industry is about. It's trying to build something for not just the the long term future, but the the near term and solve problems. And so we're trying to help alongside those uh, companies and clients uh, solve those problems. A really busy uh, specialty to be focused on at the moment. Absolutely. So as we've talked about before, Alan, uh, GM Cruise is awaiting and awaiting for approval from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration for permission to start producing the Cruise Origin. It's a vehicle with not, without a steering wheel, without pedals. Two weeks ago, the CEO of Cruise said he expected approval any day. This week, I had the opportunity to speak with NHTSA Acting Administrator Ann Carlson. The interview was focused on Child Passenger Safety Week, of course, important. But I did get to ask her about the Cruise origin status. While we have you, if you don't mind, uh, there was a recent report that said uh, GM-backed Cruise was just days away from approval to uh, mass-produce the Origin robo-taxi uh, without steering wheels. That, of course, were a tech report, so it's of interest to us. Um, and the GM also unveiled a, a wheelchair-accessible version of this. Is there any update on where the approval is and how soon it might come? So uh, we haven't made a decision yet on the petition gm uh, did petition to uh, allow its what's called its origin vehicle, which is not compliant with all our federal motor vehicle safety standards. Uh, they did petition to receive an exemption, and we're still considering that. And we'll let you know as soon as we've made a decision. And it takes so a while to go through this process, I suppose? Yes, there are all sorts of things we need to do. We need to publish the notice in the Federal Register. We need to let the public comment we often seek additional information from the petitioner about how the vehicle works. It's a very complicated process. Even when it's just going to be a limited production like, like this, I guess. Well, we're putting vehicles on the road that don't comply with all the safety standards. That's the, the question, whether we should do that. So we've got to make sure we get that right because we want to keep people safe. Alan, I'll let you and Ariel dive a little deeper here. Yeah, I mean, if if, if I can you know, sort of comment... I think 
if you look at all the development to try to put uh, uh, a computer to drive a car or to drive a vehicle to provide mobility, the, the fundamental value of that is, yes, it, 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 it's got to be safe. And, and, you know, and thinking about it and realizing that, that safety uh, on our highways is, is largely due to, to misbehavior by, by, by the people driving. And certainly I think we can code these things, or at least I think my students, we teach them so that they can code these things uh, so they won't misbehave. So it seems like the the aspiration to make them safe is one that's that's somewhat straightforward. It is taking a longer time, maybe, or and so on, to convince everybody and and to convince the people who are going to take the risk and put these things out there. Because in the end, they're betting the ranch when they put them out there. Something happens. Look at what happened to Uber with Elaine Herzberg. I mean, fifty uh, percent of the value gone instantly. So they they know that, and I don't think, uh, at least at this point in time. Uh, or, you know, you'll you'll agree there's there's no loose cannons out there just saying here you know let's go do this crazy stuff I don't think I mean why because it's really been expensive to do it and 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 so one would like to get on with it to provide the societal value of the mobility because what this does is it makes it affordable without subsidy without you know all the stress of bringing in all the money. And then, and then, and then, to the flexibility, and and what one needs to provide mobility because of the spatial and temporal distribution of of, mo of mobility demand, is you need something that can go here, go there, go whatever it, it, on, on a on a drop of a dime. And that's what the car gives us, those of us that have them, and we're like, who? Right, not well, those that don't. You know, and so we, we should get on with let's provide the mobility with, with and that's and it, please. OK, what do you think? Well, it's a, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the place to start, as you did, Alan, is is on safety because, it, you know, everything is foundational there. But there's an important point on that before you move to the other things, which I I'm in agreement. Um, you have to start talking about those other things, solving societal pro problems. But can't lose sight of the fact that there's a massive problem with safety. It's been said so often that now it becomes, we become numb to the, even the point, forget about the, the problem of uh, motor vehicle crashes and fatalities, which people focus on fatalities, but there are injuries too, uh, you know, a million a year, life altering in many cases. So that gets lost or it's not this binary thing. Well, you know, in, in a, in a sad way, alive or dead, it's, it's about the, the, the fallout from, all those kinds of crashes, but that's that's the, the we've always talked about that baseline. But here's the important point, I, and Alan, you you touched on it. Um, there's this not just strong incentive, but fundamental to the entire case of autonomous vehicle technology is uh, ensuring that there's safety because for a variety of reasons, right? Uh, but but one of them is um, as you pointed out, if there's if there's some sort of issue, you're going to see valuation drop, and and there's going to be you know not you know, the public may not uh, take to the technology, but but that's not enough, right? The reality is people also don't understand that there is a legal and, and uh, policy backdrop to that. NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, has the absolute authority, and they have exercised it to take technology off the road immediately um, if it presents an unreasonable risk to safety. That exists. So we don't need a law passed 
to empower agents, the, the federal agencies or even state agencies, you know, public um, Department of Public Safeties in different states, they have plenary authority as well. I mean, forget about autonomous. If there's someone puts a vehicle on the road that's got, you know, <laughs> shooting missiles at the side, I don't know, that can be pulled off the road and, and at the state and federal level. So that exists, that's there. So when it comes to safety, there's incentives absolutely built in, but also there's robust enforcement. So we have that. So it's, I agree with you, it's time to look at um, not just the contributions on safety this technology will, will afford because of the human error, but start talking about these other benefits in, in concrete ways, because they've been mentioned, but, but really in concrete ways. And I, I'm eager to do that. I know the industry is eager to do it. Um, and you, know, you seem to think, well, I think we sense there's an inflection point we're at, the one that maybe folks thought was occurring in 2017, they, they were talking about it. We might be there now, so then how do we maximize the opportunity that this inflection point provides in the public conversation? That I think is, and that's why it's it's important to, for, for you and Fred to be doing what you're doing um, and, and in other contexts as well to do that. Well, on that, on that point, one has to, I think, I think NHTSA does have not only the the authority over safety, but you can't just be safety. You you also have to have an objective of providing some good with the things that are being provided. You can't you can't let go of the mobility piece that these things they should be also pro proponents of mobility and what their objective function should be and, and and their mission statement should be is is we want safe mobility okay and given this power that they have in case they should give the right for somebody to put something out there and all of a sudden geez we find out something we didn't know and it's a total disaster uh they have the right to pull it i mean didn't this happen with airbags didn't didn't when, when airbags first came out, nobody thought they were going to kill children. We didn't. We didn't think that was gonna. You know, we think this is gonna save lives. First thing you do, you put one in a passenger seat, and there's a kid sitting there. All of a sudden, it kills them. And I think Nitz at that point came right in and said, "Oh my goodness, you know, we got to do something about this. We aren't going to stop airbags. Let's." ensure that the kids in the back seat or has a safety seat as as was discussed in in this in 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 Fred's interview and and so they have the power to in case they make a decision to let airbags be in cars if all of a sudden we discover something oh my goodness they can pull it back right that's what you just said yeah i mean i think you know some of it has to do with um trying to find the, the balance for the for the agency um, and they, they do, they are, they have been working on in a number of different ways, uh, some regulatory measures in this space. I think, I think there's consensus, um, maybe even, I don't want to speak for anyone at, at, at NHTSA, but, um, but maybe folks there as well might agree that, um, that it, it needs to move faster, um, that we've been waiting the industry and, and the public, not just the industry, but, but all the stakeholders have been waiting for regulatory measures and this spans a number of years across administrations this is this is uh certainly a broader point um that that we want to see regulatory measures be undertaken that start to get at what you're saying alan which is um th there's there's that balance where we want to see the technology put forward that the arguments are all there we know it's going to provide not just safety but mobility as well um and try and anticipate what we can 
and then understand that there'll be adjustments that, that need to be made. I happen to think that, uh, and, and the, the facts really show, and that's the key thing, and I'll, we'll get to that, I'm sure, at some point, the facts actually are showing, based on the, the standing general order data, that is having a positive safety impact on the roads. Um, that will continue to be shown. So the attendant issues that need to be dealt with along the way may be adjustments to how we think about it, how we how it's deployed, maybe data sharing types of things, whatever that is. Um, I, I don't think the airbag example will, is going to be applicable there because we're not going to see those kinds of uh, downsides. But I do think that we'll have to make adjustments. The point is, don't boil the don't try to boil the ocean. Get some of these regulatory barriers, uh, you know, complete or or undone. Try and get through some of the regulatory measures that need to happen. If Congress is not acting, NHTSA can do it. There are things that can be done. But the, the other part of the equation, I would just say, is part of that boiling the ocean part. There's a lot of work that has to get done on NHTSA's basic authority, um, and they've been doing that for some time. We want to see that move more quickly. But I think then you also need to balance it on the other side, which is you can't hold up those regulatory measures to have AVs, to, to hope that AVs or, or autonomous technology solves other adjacent, attendant, or even attenuated uh, problems in society. We hope, and I think we expect, that autonomous technology will help with issues like equity and accessibility and sustainability. But it has to be evaluated and ultimately uh, decided whether regulatory approval is, is shaped around motor vehicle statutory authorities and regulatory authorities as, as they are. If it's held up for hoping to solve those other things, again, we expect it to do that. And I think that presents, it's another impediment, it's another hurdle. We have to evaluate alongside the record we have with conventional motor vehicles, which frankly are it's a bad record um, of safety. If autonomous technology can solve those problems, and to your point, Alan, um, starts to get at mobility and, and help in that respect as well, well, then we should be going forward and then just making those other observations and decisions along those other dimensions as they arise. But if NHTSA or that agency took an initiative that said, hey, yeah, we are the safety thing is there. Now we want to help improve the mobility thing. So that, in fact, out of the improved safety, we also get improved safety and improved mobility. One of the things they're going to realize is that the traditional car is probably not the best thing to give people rides. What they should look at is, is maybe, as I like to argue, an elevator, okay, as a physical system that is better for giving rides. Why? Because it's easier to get in and out. I mean, some of the stuff that's happening in San Francisco, I mean, the way they're part and so on, you can't, you can't get in the back seat of those whatevers and so on. It is it is a pain. So the physical thing of a car, why it might have been good for us as drivers, is not. Why do you need a, 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 a mirror? Okay. I mean, come on, cut it out. Uh, serious. Why do you need a steering wheel? You can do a joystick. Okay, so if you really want somebody to be able to be an attendant on board, da, da, da. And, and so what's the hang up in giving folks who then say, okay, I'm going to give a little taller vehicle so that people can get wheelchairs can get better in sticking a wheelchair in the back seat of a car today is impossible. Okay, so why would you want to put this mobility system? Why would you want to put this mobility system? 
in a vehicle that can't accommodate that. And so how about a little, uh, how about let, let's uh, some ability to, to do some of those things. And I guess what's the big hang up? Well, Cruz, Cruz demonstrated as well. They, ro they rolled out a, a model that's uh, wheelchair capable wheelchair. Yeah, sure. Of course, or it can go, come up with a, to a sidewalk and do level, level, whatever, and all that stuff, just like an elevator stops right at the floor. You know the right code to do that once you have the 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 sensors on board to do to avoid hitting a kid who's chasing the ball you i mean it's trivial stuff yeah I, you know th this is this is the foundational point to this technology right it's it's in in some respects when we talk about um level four uh you know fully driverless however you want to uh, giving you know, people rides nomenclature right giving people rides there's a square peg round hole um, aspect to this uh, because we're encumbered by the decades of, you know, really even the century, I should say, more than a century of yeah, giving ourselves of rides as opposed to giving rides. Right. And so that's that's the basic tension point um, from a regulatory perspective. And, you know, I, look, I was at DOT um, in the front office when the first set of exemption petitions came in. Um, you know, obviously can't speak to, to those deliberations. What I, what yeah. I think we see is um, an agency that's that's trying to figure out, uh, you know, a, a path to get to where you're describing, Alan. And, and we, you know, one of the things that the points of consensus seems to be that we all, I mean, maybe not everyone, but the, the vast majority of folks want to want to get there. And so how then it becomes, OK, so, so how are we going to do that? Right. There needs to be some process for saying, OK, this novel design vehicle that has that, you know, wheelchair access and, and it can go both directions or whatever the, the concepts are. That's going to be safe. But someone else's is not going to be safe. And how is how is that evaluated? You know, we are well positioned in the United States from our, our regulatory approach, much more than other than other areas because of our self-certification regime. Yeah. And that that's the fundamental difference is why it's what's powered driven for to use yep. a bad pun. It's what's driven our innovation um, across many different uh, aspects, but in the motor vehicle context, for sure. And so I think part of it is we need to start trying to embrace that. Um, some, you know, I, I've, I've thought about this recently. Um, you know, if if we had similar approach, uh, you know, to the, what we're seeing here, to like the Wright brothers, we'd all be um, there'd be no commercial. There'd be no aviation. Right. Um it's hard to think of a scenario. And this is really hard. Like, what is the appropriate risk, appetite, risk aversion, and, and all of that? It goes back to what we were saying before. You know, if we're solving problems, if we're saving lives and preventing injuries just by rolling it out, then, then there's should be a little bit more of an appetite to allow for self-certification to look at things. And if it's not perfect, then, then it gets adjusted because you're already saving lives, then try and get, get there. Rather than this, Look, nothing can be that. This is what we have now, based on the quirks of the Motor Vehicle Safety Act and regulation. Nothing can deviate or depart from uh, from existing federal motor vehicle safety standards, unless you get an exemption from the agency, which is very difficult to obtain. And so we have this situation as you're describing. And I, I think that's the balance that is, everyone's been trying to wrestle with. And I think it does tilt. Um, it's not just me that thinks this. I think policymakers and 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 again, not just industry, but many 
think that it's just this, the apparatus is not set up for embracing the strengths of our system to allow for these kinds of innovations. Uh, and we need to fix that. And, you know, we can nerd out on the, the way the law works and the regulations work and there's legislation, federal, state. I mean, that's a different conversation maybe, but I, we have to get that consensus first that everyone on board, it, it, it briefly appeared in 2017, I would say, when you had a unanimous passage of that bill out of the House Energy and Commerce Committee and, and a little bit in the Senate, there was that brief consensus that, yes, we have to fix this. Not everyone got what they wanted. Not everyone um, was there. Nobody, nobody but, ever does. But... Right. But at least that objective was was there was consensus around that. And then and I, I think we just need to work as hard as we can to get back there. And, and it speaks to some of the stakeholders that still remain on the edges that are their opponents of this. And I think we have to probe what are the motivations for opposition from those stakeholders that are frankly growing stronger uh, every day. Are they actually opposed to the technology itself or are there other reasons why uh, there's opposition to AV technology? That I think is, is what I wrestle with every day and, and um, there's no easy answer. Well, on, on those points, one, I think, as you pointed out very clearly, we have the pieces to put this together because we can grant an exemption. And if somehow, again, if we with full expectation of it working really well as promised, but all of a sudden, if we trip over something that said, oh, my goodness, we can come in right in and shut it down. So when you've gotten an exemption, you really haven't gotten an opportunity to say, hey, you can go out there and do this forever. And blah, blah, blah. I mean, you're still, you know, walking on eggshells, making sure and, you know, and if you do, you fix it. So it seems like you have the mechanism for doing this, the rapid, the more rapid. I mean, this is like whatever. Plus, you know. This creates jobs, you know, tw you, to build 2,500 vehicles, you have to build them by hand. You can't build an assembly line, okay? You, <laughs> otherwise, you'd really be creating enormous jobs, okay? There's a jobs thing. And for this, to me, what the, the, the stuff that never comes out in this discussion, the mobility opportunity for folks, to improve their quality of life, which, you know, in traditional economics, it's, it's called latent demand. Why is it latent? It's because there isn't a thing out there to be able to allow you to absorb it, to consume it, to improve your life. I mean, this stuff, is, I believe, the affordability, the flexibility, the, uh, the, the high quality, all of a sudden creates new markets. This is all new. Nobody loses any jobs. No Uber driver ever. Some people, all those, all those, they only do less than one percent of the trips anyway. They're they're going to continue to do that with people who give them big tips. And they'll be happy with it. Okay. Yeah. And darn it, it, this I don't see this out there being discussed this way. Okay. You, you know, maybe, Alan, maybe maybe, maybe it's not a fair comparison, but there isn't uh, the urgency behind the mobility issue as there was for instance with with covid getting the vaccines out there 
Um, a lot of rules were bent and, and, and changed to, <laughs> well, to get the vaccine. I mean, like I said, it may I don't, I don't know we would want that much, you know, right. <laughs> push on. But it, it but is life changing for, for many people. It can for many. be. Right. But there's not the urgency, is, was the point. That well, I, I don't know that we would want that much urgency, but yes. Uh, uh, right. But so, to some degree, some yeah. urgency. Well, I, you know, some of it comes down to, um, you know, I'll go and get anecdotal for a second, right? I think I yeah. mentioned I've got four daughters um, of varying ages uh, in the house, and um, and it's a very complicated uh, uh, structure uh, schedule, I should say, to uh, to get people where they need to be. And you um, can talk about high school students um, of a certain age; they're getting ready to dr- society and and the law is saying you're going to be able to drive in a few months, or you can drive. Right. We can put you behind the wheel of a vehicle and put you on the road. So um, do we need to you know, think about situations where is, is it better to or not better, but is it a good complement to that to have the ability to put uh, those folks, those young adults into uh, autonomous vehicles? To get, I mean, it's it's all over. I'm in D.C. here. The traffic is bad. It's all over the place. You're getting on the, in the highway, then you're off the highway. That those opportunities, I think, speak to parents. They speak to young adults. They speak to you know people of all. I mean, it's not just the mobility for for um, the elderly or for individuals with disabilities, which are so important. And I think it's been spoken about a lot. But solving everyday problems too, it, it has to get plugged into the equation so people can internalize across the board um, how this is going to, to change. And, you know, it, it, it's, you know, in some ways it's similar to the ride hail uh, discussions from, gosh, what are we up to now? 12, 13 years ago um, or longer, uh, where the reason why it met success is because it was solving a problem where, you know, you could hail it to your own spot and things like that. This technology on the, on the autonomous side is going to solve problems. Um, and, but people haven't internalized it. I totally agree. Safety is not carrying the day because it's too d- diffuse. Um, people, you know, we get in a car every day, we drive it, and we play, you know, the equivalent of Russian roulette um, with with our lives because the safety is so poor out there, um, and that's not enough of a motivating factor. But these opportunities start talking to the families, uh, in addition to to mobility for for folks who are stuck at home and, and they have to call paratransit. Or, or other types of services that don't work. This is, that message has to get carried. And, and I will be the first one to admit, it, it's it's still in an early stage of evolution. And right now, facing a lot of attack from a number of stakeholders that in my understanding of the situation, their motivation is not about the safety of AVs. It's about making other kinds of changes to society. And I find that personally, to be a little bit disingenuous. That's the issue that we have to face. It's the debate that's shaping, that's being shaped right now. And and it's going to determine the future of autonomous technology. Yeah, let's well, focus I'll, mostly I'll, on the West Coast, Alan, and you highlight in the, in the newsletter a report that the fire chief in San Francisco issued a statement with the Municipal Transportation Agency that said a cruise autonomous vehicle was not directly responsible for the death of a pedestrian, contrary to some earlier reports. Um, yeah, and it's it, you know one needs to have some of those things out there because of course the fire marshal was um, you know earlier or last month complaining about these things running over fire hoses and so on and all the 
times that the, they had impeded whatever in San Francisco, which was, if you probably take it compared to the number of times a car driver did it, I mean, it'd be 10 to the minus 24th in, in ratio or something. I mean, I, I, I don't want to go there. That that the one of the things that we may be haven't done, if I may say, is that because we've been so focused on the safety piece, and we should be, we forgot about the mobility piece. Okay, it is not it, the the quality of life improvement. Not 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 to the somebody who has a car or has enough cars in their family for everybody to go but to just to provide the mobility to those who don't have all that opportunity I, first day of class in my class um, a couple of weeks ago i asked i asked who grew up in a in, in a in a high rise and um and you know one kid raised his hand and um you know is it was it a doorman no 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 doorman um um how old were you when your when your parents first let you use the elevator by yourself and he looked at me funny what the hell kind of question is that i don't know five i don't know i mean if you think of what goes on in a building in a high rise you know Kids go up and down those elevators. Why? Because the alternative uh, steps is really ugly. Okay. I mean, you know, and so why isn't that horizontally? You know, why can't your kids have all the activities they need to go, you know, walk down, you know, block and a half, hop on a thing. It take them to, you know, where they're going, hop off. They forget about it. Just like you use an elevator. This discussion, this this is a value. You don't have to schlep them. And if you didn't have a car, they could get there. I mean, it's not even discussed. And and, and it, it just, it, 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 it just, the darn thing ends up, it bothers me that that's not discussed. The discussion is, that, you know, it's made out that it's for some rich person well-to-do person that has two Lambos in the garage and what the hell they need that too and all that stuff and they're intruding on my property and da 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 but the real societal value of this is is the mobility piece and darn it we should get there and we need maybe we should do that even before we have the technology ready to to, to prepare the community to prepare those who could benefit from this to get engaged so that so that the right to, so that a better or a more appropriate i don't know which term i want to put on that discussion gets placed as opposed to everybody throwing monkey wrenches into this darn look if you put a cone on a, on a vehicle it's not going to work okay if if somebody puts a cone on my car i can't drive it okay right. yeah so so here's what as you're talking about what it what it made me un- you know, reminded me of is that as part part of what I think has happened. You mentioned some of the incidents and some of the things, and 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 you know, if the discussion right basically it's confined to, or I should say it this way, there's I think a false assumption by whatever by certain stakeholders or certain advocates that. The AV industry is making an argument that if we just 
had autonomous vehicles, we'd solve all society's problems, right? And nobody is making that argument uh, at all. And so the 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 attacks seem to be, well, look at all these problems, look at all these other things that are happening, look at all of the traffic that's that's happening, look at, you know, we, we have so many other things that we need more mass transit, we need um, uh, not to build too many roads or widen the roads and things like that, other kinds of other kinds of things, and essentially becomes a, a false, um, what's the term, almost like a, a red herring or, or sort of imputing to the AV industry that we're making an argument that we're not. Uh, which is that, uh, and maybe, and by the way, there's all, you know, I always like to put, put on the other shoes. I think there's a kernel of that that was present in 2015, 2016. Oh, AVs will solve you know, all sorts yeah. of things. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that happened. So, so there's, there's, there's baggage there, but nobody is making that argument today. And the, the industry is, is putting forward a position of this is one solution to that could help in a number of different ways, not just, the industry is not opposed to it, but and frankly, probably embraces a lot of other things that are part of the road safety system that the DOT has put forward or other contexts. And so for some reason, the discussion has been laser focused on, on AVs because the assumption is, well, these folks think that they're going to solve all the, all of society's problems. Look, look, look at this one problem over here that, that that's happening with them. Ergo, they need to be shut down. They need to be, we need to pause the whole thing. That is not how we solve problems in society. It's not how America has approached things. It's not how we've done. It's part of, it's just one aspect of, of a variety of different things we have to do. And if, if that was the perspective that was sort of embraced by policymakers as it once was, I think we'd start, we'd be seeing the technology start to really proliferate in a safe and responsible way. But unfortunately, we're fighting battles that, that you know there's there's wit it's it's the surface level superficiality of it is is about some sort of av safety but there's there's subtext is you know that 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 picture of the iceberg which is the tip and then the rest of it's all below <laughs> the, the battles are being fought underneath the surface about mass trans public transit about um uh sustainability about um the quality of roads about urbanization about how to deal with those things and AVs are, are, are the AV industry is here to solve safety issues that are clearly an epidemic and trying to do, you know, some other aspects of it, not claiming to solve all of those other things, but being carrying the baggage of all that. And I think that has created this this place where we are, where everyone's speaking past each other at the policy level. And frankly, I don't envy the role of, of the senior policymakers because they're they're just trying to it's really ends up being a balance of very different things. That is really what I think is the central challenge we have now to disentangle and to untangle uh, those those things and address technology on its merits and not have it try and solve uh, all, of, all of the problems. And the CEO of, of Cruise, Alan, you point out in the newsletter uh, was on the CNBC. Um, I guess it was in the Washington Post. They had an interview with uh, with Kyle who said the backlash to driverless cars is being sensationalized. So uh, I think you commented that at least he's, he's fighting back here. Yeah. Well, yeah, Kyle, I, you know, <laughs> I love Kyle. I mean, <laughs> um, I, I just, I, I, the, the challenge that that poor guy has, I mean, you know, here, I think he's just, he, he really is out there trying to, help the world maybe not save the world not as 
as Ariel pointed out, not solve every darn problem, but go out there and, and provide some mobility. I mean, when, when, when crews first went into San Francisco, they went in at night. Okay, and so what's the headline come out? Oh, they're not good enough to do it during the day. They're just sneaking in there at night. And and I wrote, we wrote, we talked about it here. We said, oh my goodness, he should. There should be a red carpet out there for them because what Mooney? They operate two bus lines between one a.m. and five a.m. in the whole forty-nine square miles. Two bus lines, you know, with who knows what thirty-minute headways. Okay, somebody might need a ride. Okay, and here they are out there with vehicles that are automated and 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 they're sitting there like like little puppy dogs saying, hey, I'm available to give you a ride. You know, please pet me waiting to, to, to serve San Francisco. But that's not the way that it was presented by San Franciscans, the standard or whatever media outlets are there. I assume they represent the people or the people represented. And maybe, maybe Kyle made it, you know, wasn't forceful enough at that initial thing to say, look, we're, we're filling a gap in mobility. If you don't have a car and you can't drive and you can't find somebody to drive you, we're here to help you. And you don't feel like dragging somebody out of bed, a gig worker to come get you. We're here for you. We can do this for you. You know, yeah, give us a great. chance and we can do it safely. Uh, you know, that I'm not tra solving traffic congestion and I'm not solving the da do da 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 and all the other things that, you know, that were, were there. You point out very well, Ariel, you know, five That's years right. ago. I mean, you know, oh, uh, they're, they're trying to hang that. I don't know, they, they're, they're, you, know, you look at some of these articles in the Atlantic or some of these. Yeah. other folks who make these these broad sweeping pronouncements about about all sorts of things but but ultimately what it is is, is an attempt to hang all of these other things around as an albatross around the neck of an av industry that's trying to just do i think simple and relatively at this point small things like you're describing Alan. i mean that that it speaks to you know the early days of ride hell where you know you, you were marooned in a place in the pouring rain and yeah, yeah. Call, he stood under the thing you called someone to you as opposed to hope that a taxi drove by yeah. and um you know we're we're at that point here where we can see those challenges that they might have a solution immediate solution by the way you know overwhelmingly right these vehicles are electric they're fleet operated they're, you know so so they you know and efficiently operated because because the objective of the entity that's doing it is to operate them efficiently. They don't want to just have them run around and it costs them money. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'll go a step further and <laughs> maybe put myself on a limb here. Uh, that Good. I, I was hoping I'd get you there. <laughs> you got me. You got me. All right. I, I'm going to say this. Um, I, I, I think we need to start to talk about opposition to uh, autonomous vehicle deployment. Uh, through the lens of some form of irrationality. Let me explain what that means. Uh, it's a, a, an allusion to what I was saying before, which is there's just, you know, what's being put forward, allegations about safety. It's what you said, Alan, it's like, you know, 10 to the minus 24th, you know, a, a particular incident here, you know, is being raised up as, as the most serious problem when 118 people are being killed every single day and thousands injured, some life-altering. So that's already a problem. But here's additional you know, an additional take on this. And um, again, I'll go out on a limb. <laughs> we have had um, 
The National Transportation Safety Board, NTSB, uh, has a what I think they call a most wanted list um, of technology for, for safety for, for many years, right, for, for a long time. And on that list are things like connected vehicle, vehicle to infrastructure type things, or, or um, automatic emergency braking and, and technology. And, and, you know, with respect to AEV, that's something that's, that's been shown to be very helpful. And there's, there's a regulatory process. V to V, V to X, um, you know, I'm, I believe in, I want to support all sorts of vehicle technology. And I think that has a lot of promise, but it's not a lot of deployment. And so my point here is in saying that is we have a regulatory structure or, or um, policymakers and lawmakers and others and stakeholders out in the ether who are all in on everything like this, even unproven things um, in the like V to I or V to V context, that you know, things are concept conceptual. They're all in on that. But when it comes to autonomous vehicle technology, which actually is showing to be safe with the standing general order and all that data, suddenly it's just full opposition, right? At any kind of technology that will make vehicles safer is acceptable except for autonomy. And, and that I think it, there's, there's, you have to sometimes look at the evidence, um, you know, it's sort of the, it's not quite the absence of evidence argument, but it's what explains it, it, that kind of um, visceral opposition to that. And I think that has to be explored. Now, if it ultimately is about these kinds of, we're having crosswise conversations, there's a concern about the proliferation of vehicles, there's a concern about widening roads, there's a con then let's have that conversation. Let's make sure that that's the basis of the conversation and not allegations about safety for an industry that is making the road safer. I think that is the, the fundamental point at which we're at here. And frankly, it's it's concerning because if pretext wins the day, um, we'll see, you know, we'll see uh, a fewer AV companies, we'll see fewer AV opportunities, and we'll see fewer problems being solved. Like you're saying, someone standing at three in the morning needs to get home from a shift waiting, you know, for for some some other opportunity, some other transit opportunity that may not be there. So this is a very important time in this in this industry and in, in the policy conversation. And um, my my real ask really to, to everyone is let's have the, the conversation around the things that are, you know, the actual concerning issues and not raising up pretextual things that um, that are covering for other things, if that makes sense. I mean, I, I, that's my concern. Yeah, on 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 that note, I mean, sort of the the poster child that we use around here and and Trenton to talk about this is is we we have an Amazon facility in in Robbinsville that is you know I love it man I get stuff delivered to my door I mean it's the best thing since sliced bread I want to you know it still needs workers it's working you know three shifts out there and in fact what. $15, $20 an hour jobs, right, are there. Where is it? It's near the intersection of, you know, the New Jersey Turnpike. Certainly there's no bus service. Certainly not for the second and third shift. Or it could be a hospital, same thing. And and what if you don't have a car to go there? You can't get there. You can't punch in on time. You can't, you can't, you don't punch in on time, guess what? You could be, you could have a Harvard degree. You don't get you get fired out of that sucker, right? You don't have a job. Oh my goodness. These these darn vehicles, you're just sitting there middle of the night. Again, if you if you've made your fleet size so that it can handle peaks, middle of the night, they're there. Who can I please take you? I mean, 
it's trivial to provide that mobility to provide the folks to have the opportunity to have that revenue income to improve their lives that doesn't seem to come out anywhere here okay it, that value proposition right well I, I, you know it, and we haven't even touched on uh and, and maybe there you know there's probably not time to do it but like we haven't even touched on the commercial vehicle side of things, right? We're talking, <laughs> talking about mobility. And and if you, we could spend four more hours talking about um, how we can solve mobility problems, like you keep saying, Alan, which is so important. And we, we, we lose sight of the fact that people uh, who who rely on, on services. And tra let me just say, transit is so important. You know, I use the, the DC Metro. I mean, I, I, I'm the, this is not about, see, I think there's been set up this kind of like war here. It's not about- This that. is transit. This yeah, is transit. It moves people. What does transit do? Move people. Give right. rides. This gives so, rides. <laughs> there's, you know, the whole coexistence piece is, is, you know, it's a different conversation. But we got to solve, <laughs> got to solve problems as they are. But we haven't talked about the other side of it. You mentioned Amazon. Um, you, you know, I, I won't go through the whole thing about, uh, uh, you know, heavy, heavy duty trucking, medium trucking, the driver shortage, and all of that. That's a different uh, thing, but. When people will see, they either will see logistics breakdowns as as the as all of that starts to become much more tenuous with with uh, the absolute you know the driver situation and all of it, um, or we'll see you know a continuation, maybe even an improvement through the incorporation uh, and coexistence of autonomous technology in that sphere as well, and um, and yet. Again, we're seeing conversations that don't really address the, the the point head on, and sort of talking about other kinds of things. That that is the look. There's a, there's a lot of frustration. Maybe uh, it is the case the industry. You know, we need to carry that message in a better way. We need to um, find ways to embrace um, stakeholders and supporters in in ways that that make it more clear to individuals. But I I, I think. Um, that's the challenge. The, the fundamental challenge is really about communication of the possibilities and demonstration rather than um, what I think you see some of the, the noise coming out of uh, some of these places, some of these outlets uh, trying to say there's a problem with the technology. There isn't. There, there is not a problem with the technology. There's a problem with, with that kind of communication. But Ariel, you're the messenger here because you, you have the connection with the legislators that that can actually help this whole process. So it's important that you continue what the what the heck you're doing, you know, to to get them. And and anyway, that's uh, not not to put that baggage on your back, but I just put it on your back. <laughs> well, we need you know you provide the forum, uh, you and Fred, and and a uh, great uh, great space here to to look. It's not about. No one's looking to propagandize. It's about a real conversation. In, in many ways, uh, in the public policy space here in D.C. and in state capitals across the country, which you know we get engaged in, um, what we want is a real conversation, a real conversation on the issues and on the merits. And again, not bringing in other things, but on the merits of the technology. When we have those conversations, we, you know, almost always win the day because we have to ground everything in facts and not uh, in, in other kind of ancillary issues. If we do that and and, and through your forum and, and others as well, giving opportunities like this, uh, you know, I think this is happening. And the only, I mean, the, the other point I'll, I'll just make um, uh, that is 
absolutely the case um, is that we are not we are not in, in a place where we're deciding whether we are going to have autonomous vehicles or not. Uh, that that has been decided. We are really deciding whether that technology will be American led or or really Chinese or other or, you know probably Chinese led and that's in 10 years. And that's the part that again, a lot of this is just stuff that's been said a lot and people just washes over. But we are we're in that moment in time. We don't get to decide anymore. So we we have to ensure American leadership here to do it in a way where it's, you know it's safe, it's responsible, and it solves problems. That is something that gets lost in the conversation. I just wanted to mention that as well. Well, we've got to do that. Look, we created this, okay? If you look, even going back 50 years when I started with automation in, 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 in cities, we created we created the Washington Metro that's automated. We created BARTs that were automated. We created the people movers at airports that were automated. We, I think, automated elevators. We've been there. We did DARPA challenges. We did that, okay? We did that with some help around, and we, we can't drop the ball now, okay? I mean, just when you're finally, after all of that, about to get enormous societal benefit out of this thing, uh, uh, we can't, sorry. Oh, now, I, I'm an immigrant, so, you know, I don't know, you know, but I'm a, I am a naturalized citizen, so what, what the hell can I tell you? I came over on a boat, you know, whatever. <laughs> Through Ellis Island. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I got the whole ball of wax. Anyway, whatever. Alan, a couple of other quick headlines yeah. that are related yeah. here. One in particular, uh, Kathy Wood on CNBC this week uh, said when it comes to self-driving taxis, what we've been talking about, it's a winner take most market for Tesla. Now, they don't have a single <laughs> robo taxi out there yet, <laughs> but that's her call. I, like, yeah, you know, I don't her, know. Her position has been for a long time on Tesla. Yeah, I mean, she, she said that at the Florida AV conference, and, and we, I mean, we're all there delighted by, by her comments. And of course, she's a she's a big fan. So we, we need to realize, I mean, she's been making the Tesla call forever. Um, and, and, Maybe. I mean, you, you look at the disruption. I mean, what 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 SpaceX do last night? Again, the 153rd consecutive successful landing, you know, recovery of a booster. I mean, numbers that 10 years ago were unimaginable, unimaginable. Uh, you know, they're they're doing 80 percent of the of the uh, of the uh, stuff in orbit um, this year, uh, 10% being done by China and 10% being done by the rest of the world. I mean, how disruptive is that entity coming from an idea of making it more economical and efficient to put stuff in orbit all of a sudden? I mean, it, in a sense, this is what many of us are we all including have seen with respect to this opportunity to have mobility uh, provided to give people rides? I mean, we're going to get to a chance. We just need to give ourselves a chance to do this. And maybe it will end up being a Tesla or somebody else or who was a. Uh, I don't think it's going to. 
well, I don't know. I don't want to get geopolitical on this thing, okay? Because it doesn't. It's not pretty. If we trip over something we didn't expect and we didn't see, sorry. I mean, we don't know what we don't know. That that's the that, I mean, <laughs> fundamental of, of of being a human, okay? So there's a mechanism to stop it before it gets out of hand, okay? And if you look at what's happening in the other piece of SpaceX with Starship. You know, the FAA is sitting in there looking at the first launch and basically scrutinizing what the hell, you know, lot went right. Damn thing got up off the ground. But, you know, of course, it was the first one. Things go wrong. Make sure you fix it. And they're they're working together. And I guess they'll have a second launch. Some of us thought it would come this month. It'll come next month. They'll have a second launch. Maybe the damn thing will blow up on the pad. Who knows? And we don't know what we don't know. But the likelihood of that thing being successful is a whole heck of a lot better because there's been what seems to be excellent working relationship between the FAA and SpaceX on that process with now new information. This is the way NHTSA should work with with the crews. Okay? And 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 Give it a chance. Twenty five hundred. <laughs> that's, that's how much harm law. could even the whole fleet cause? Right. Not, not and you can shut it down immediately. Come on, guys. <laughs> you got to make the, some legal changes. That's by law. The twenty five hundred. Well, you know, there's legislative solutions. There's regulatory solutions, and that's what we're working on trying to to achieve. But uh, so I'll, please. <laughs> Please continue to try to make that happen. I know it's, it's it, I don't know how you, how you uh, well, keep working. Uh, I'm in my, my 18th year of my one year trip to DC. So <laughs> I've, I've been, you know, I've had four kids during that time. It was supposed to be a one year stint. Um, you know, it's like the matrix here, it's sort of a bad, version, an un, unentertaining version of, of the matrix getting stuck here in, in DC. But I, you know, um, I am confident that, that we're going to have a breakthrough soon. I think you can start to feel some of the urgency and some of the um, discussion that, that's more robust than the, than the past couple of years. Um, and I, I think we're going to see something shake loose either in Congress and the agency or both um, uh, in the near term. And we're working hard to do that. Terrific. Thank you. Just one other quick note, uh, Alan, you, we point out very often Rob Maurer's Tesla Daily. He had an interview with uh, Walter Isaacson on his new biography of Elon Musk, uh, which is a fascinating, fascinating. Yeah, it's it's this, fascinating. It's fascinating. Uh, you know, especially, you know, if you're if you want to be a disruptive innovator, I mean, <laughs> but the, there there's the human element involved. We are people, aren't we, Ariel? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> You've got four kids to take care of, right? I mean, you know, in the end, you put on your pants one leg at a time in the morning, don't you? Or do you hop in with both? <laughs> I've got I've got an autonomous pants uh, putter on, and so uh, that's, hey, I said it first. I'm going to get that patent drawn up. I want ten percent. All right, that's, I, I can do that. Terrific, Ariel. Anyway. Thank you so much for for spending time with us. Terrific insights, uh, great contributions, and. Thanks for all of your work here. And well, thank it's you. a tremendous pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the for the forum, and I uh, look forward to continuing the conversation. Yeah, thanks, Ariel. You know, anyway, we keep trying. <laughs> the website is Venable, V-E-N-A-B-L-E dot com, or the place that Ariel works at. 
You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Amazon, wherever you turn to for podcasts. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Please continue to stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Have a good day.